As promised, we start hour number three by having a conversation via Zoom with a guy who is everywhere. He is the national college football host for On3. He's also the host of the Andy Staples On3 podcast. He previously served as a senior writer for The Athletic and Sports Illustrated. We are joined now by Andy Staples, who had a long day yesterday. Andy, it is great to have you back, man. How you doing? How you living? Oh, unbelievable. I mean, what a day of college football. And I was at the Rose Bowl. If there was one cloud in the sky, I didn't see it. It was absolutely perfect. Comes down to the final play. I mean, you cannot ask for anything better than that. Andy, seriously, that was such a beautiful day. And if you've been to the Rose Bowl before, you know what that's like. For those who have never been, talk about what it's like late in the day when the all-important sun starts to drop (laughs) and you've got the mountains and just how picturesque it all is before we talk about the game. It's unbelievable because the sun starts to sink and then the colors start to come out. You get the reds and the pinks and the blues. And it was what's interesting about this is that's when the game started to turn toward Alabama's way. And I'm, I'm crafting a lead on a story like the sky turned crimson. <laughs> and then with three minutes to go in the game, Michigan goes for a, a fourth and two on their own 33. And all of a sudden, everything flips. It was incredible. And Blake Corum catches a pass, converts that fourth down, and everything opens up for Michigan's offense. And then you get that incredible overtime with the Blake Corum run for a touchdown and, and Michigan stuffing Alabama on the three-yard line. It was it was absolutely amazing how Michigan came back because it felt like they were done. When they were lining up for that fourth and two, you thought they were finished. Oh, I did. I agree with you. I thought for sure they were done. And you mentioned Blake Corum. You, if I'm not mistaken, you were stationed right there by the pylon. Dude, how tough and physical was that run that he had no T to win it? I went and looked back, and it was actually two tackles he spun out of. It felt like seven when you were watching it in real time. He, he He has an unbelievable jump cut to get in the hole. And then he spins away from Terion Arnold. And then He's still spinning as Kool-Aid McKinstry tries to grab him, and he spins again and then goes into the end zone. And it's, it, I, I was thinking about this as, as Robert Blake Corum's locker interviewing him after the game. He does not look like a guy who would be that hard to tackle, but he is just – when he wants to get somewhere, he's impossible to tackle. And so in his locker gym after the game, he, he's got a Barry Sanders Pro Bowl jersey. And I'm thinking, man – Barry's got to be proud that this dude's walking out of the stadium in his jersey. Not only that, but not only the spin moves and his elusiveness, but man, he runs tough. He runs hard. Man, he's physical, and they yeah. are too. Andy Staples, finish that thought for me. That is a physical runner as well. Let's not lose track of that. Let's not sleep on how physical he is. Absolutely, and, and that's what I was talking to some of his offensive linemen, and they said that's what they see from him every day. What's interesting is we saw that a lot in 2022 You hadn't seen it as much in 2023, but that game was a reminder of when Blake Corum decides he's getting into the end zone, you're not stopping him. I think, and we saw it against Ohio State, that touchdown run after Zach Zinner got hurt. You know, he's he's brought it out a few times. He's going to have to bring it out again against Washington in the national title game. Andy Staples is joining us. We'll talk about that in a minute. What about J.J. McCarthy? Did he show you anything that you didn't already know about him when he took his team down the field to force OT late in regulation? Or maybe had you not seen that from him before? I think we've seen it from him before. I think with J.J., unfortunately, Michigan's schedule doesn't do him any favors because he was at his best when they were playing inferior competition at the beginning of the season. He was a little dinged up there at the end of the season, so you didn't get to see him at his best against Penn State and Ohio State. You got to see it in the fourth quarter yesterday, and I think that was a big deal. It it felt like after that fourth down conversion, 
that Michigan's offense sort of loosened up. And JJ had talked about in previous years, Michigan having kind of paralysis by analysis. I feel like they were having a little bit of that yesterday. And then when they were in desperation mode, it was just like, okay, let's be who we are. Let JJ cook. And we're going to go down the field. And that drive was the best drive they had all day. Uh, He was spectacular. He was running the ball. Uh, He was on target, throwing the ball. And, you saw what the NFL people see in him. This is a guy the NFL scouts really like. And I, I wrote a story about him during the week, Jim, talking about how he, he's got an NFL decision to make. And, and he's talked about that. And, and people were responding to me saying, what What do you mean NFL? This, this guy doesn't need to go to the NFL. No, he is a very good quarterback who will be pretty coveted if he decides to go to the next level. Hmm. Andy Staples is joining us. So, Andy, Michigan made a lot of mistakes, but they were able to overcome those mistakes. Does that effort beat Washington in the title game, or are they going to have to clean that up between now and then? They will have to clean up, especially the special teams' mistakes. The two muff punts are unforgivable. Missing a, a PAT is unforgivable. You do that against Washington, you are going to lose, and I think they know that. The thing is, that's so uncharacteristic from this Michigan team. I don't think we're going to see that against Washington. What I'm really interested in, Jim, is can Michigan's D-line get to Michael Penix Jr. because they were all over Jalen Milrow. But if you watch that game, Alabama was struggling to snap the ball. They were snapping it at his shins a lot of plays. And when you've got to look down and then look back up and all of a sudden that defense is on you, it's a very different experience. That has not been a problem for Washington. They get the ball to Penix and he gets it out really, really fast. And oh, by the way, that's the best trio of receivers in the country at Washington. So it, that one, that matchup is going to be incredible because Michigan does have a lot of talent in the secondary, but nobody has been able to cover those guys all season. All right, so before we go there, and Penix was absolutely incredible. What a laser show that was. Andy Staples is joining us via Zoom right now. So, you know, obviously the media took a shot, and obviously Jim Harbaugh was not going to answer the question. Andy, in your personal opinion, and based on who you talk to, do you think that national championship game is going to be Harbaugh's last game at Michigan? I think there's a good chance of it because – the the NFL has been out there as something he's wanted for a while. You know, he he interviewed for the Vikings job a couple years ago when when O'Connell got it. He is he looked at some jobs last year. He was in the mix for some, but was kind of a, a secondary candidate. There are a lot of jobs open. There's a lot of people who want someone who can work with quarterbacks. You know, you think about the Chargers are open, the Raiders are open, the Commanders are going to open, and. So it definitely seems like there's something to that. He just hired Don Yee, Tom Brady's agent, as his agent. He'd, he'd been going without one. You know, remember, Jim Harbaugh was a really good NFL coach. He coached the NFL for three years with the 49ers. He made the NFC Championship game, uh, sorry, four years with the 49ers, made the NFC Championship game three times, made the Super Bowl once. So he's he's been right there. They finished that Super Bowl on the seven-yard line, down five. So it's it's probably gnawing there in the back of his mind. Like, I can go do this. And if you're going to go out, this would be a way to go out. Plus, you have dual NCAA investigations. You've got Cheeseburger Gate. And then you've also got the sign-stealing stuff. We don't know what sort of discipline may be coming down. Now, if I'm Michigan, I would just ride with him because they're going to play 15 games this year. He didn't coach in six of them. And they're still playing for the national title. You've got Sharon Moore there if you need him to be the acting coach. But you've also got Sharon Moore there if Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL. I don't think Michigan misses a beat. Do you think that if he goes to the NFL that it's a given that Sharon Moore would get that job? 
I think so. I, I mean, people have said, well, why wouldn't they call Kalen DeBoer? I actually think the NFL teams are going to call Kalen DeBoer Washington. I, I think that that probably is Washington's bigger concern in the offseason is Kalen DeBoer might be coveted by the NFL teams as well. But I think Sharon Moore has shown that he's perfect to lead that Michigan program. I mean, look at look at the way he coached that game against Ohio State. I mean, and you know, if you if you have him coming in behind Harbaugh, that there's a lot of continuity there. A lot of the infrastructure stays in place. I would want to keep this going as long as I could. Andy Staples joining us, covering a lot of ground like he always does. I'm glad you mentioned Kalen DeBoer. Andy, I talked to him when he was at Fresno State, and I thought, man, this guy is a coach. This guy can flat-out coach, and he's proving it once again. I mean, for him to go to Washington and do what he's done, and to your point that he's going to get NFL interest and maybe you know more than some, like some really legitimate NFL interest, can you speak to just how effective and how good of a coach this guy is? And I don't care that he started at NAIA on that level. This dude can flat-out coach. Well, I think the NAIA thing matters a lot. He's, he was a head coach as a young man. He was at Sioux Falls, which is his alma mater, winning national titles in the NAIA. And I've talked to him about that. And he said he learned so much there without millions of eyes on him. You know, I, I, I go back to Kirby Smart being the national title game in his second season as the head coach at Georgia. Like, that's a hard place to learn things as a head coach. But Kalen DeBoer had all this experience before he became the head coach at Fresno State, before he became the head coach at Washington, where you look at him in, in like situational football, he always seems to make the right decision, although I know we're, we're killing him for, for handing off to Dylan, Dylan Johnson and taking knees last night. But I do feel like, like there was a fourth down late in the second quarter yesterday that he went for that I don't think most coaches would have gone for, but he understands his team, he understands the analytics, and... He went for it and, it and it worked. And I just think that the experience he had as a young head coach informed him now. And if, if we're talking about the NFL, you know, Kalen DeBoer's reputation in college is not as a talent accumulator. He's not one of those who gets all the five-star recruits. He's a talent maximizer. And talent accumulation doesn't help you in the NFL because there's a draft that you don't recruit. But talent maximization is the most important skill when it comes to the NFL. And Kalen DeBoer is great at that. And by the way, you know who else is? Jim Harbaugh. Hmm. Andy Staples joining us for a few more moments. So, Andy, what is your early lean? For instance, Michael Penix Jr. was unbelievable last night. We know this. Afterwards, he was asked, was that the best game you've played? He's like, no, my best game is still in front of me. What is your <laughs> early lean for the Natty? Who do you like? So I decided before the semifinals I was going to stop doubting Washington. Uh, I doubted them most of the season. I picked against them in both Oregon games. So I picked them to beat Texas. I'm going to pick them to beat Michigan too, especially if you're going to give me four and a half points. Uh, I just, at a certain point, I can't keep doubting them. And I think their offensive line has been slept on. This is a group that salted away the Oregon game on the ground, that handled a really good Texas defensive front yesterday. They're going to play the toughest group they've played all season in this Michigan defensive front. But the way Penix gets rid of the ball and the quality of those receivers. Again, we haven't seen like Alabama doesn't have anybody like that. Michigan has seen this in Ohio state. They've had to, to, to guard Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka, but 
they didn't have Michael Penix throwing in the ball, and I think that makes all the difference. See, the thing is, when you say, I'm not going to doubt them anymore, I see you working, but that's what they want. They want everybody to continue to doubt them because they're running on that fuel, and it's working for them, although I agree with you. If I can get four and a half, and that was the early line, I like that. I think there's real value in four and a half. Andy, before you go, let me ask you this. Like You and I have done this for a long time. You've come on this show. You've come on my TV shows. You did so when you were at The Athletic. You did so at SI. I love the new media. I love what you've done to kind of reinvent yourself and rebrand yourself. You seem like you're having a great, great time working with On3. For those who don't know, and this is not a condition of this conversation, I just am really curious, are you having as much fun <laughs> as you seem to be, and what's it been like? Oh, it's been unbelievable. So, I, you know, I was a writer most of my career, and I still do write. I wrote a column off the game last night about going inside the overtime, talking to the Michigan players who were involved in all those plays. But I love being able to to talk about it in a different medium, to talk about it on shows, on podcasts. And so if you go look at the video I did on the field after the game last night, I say it at the end. I just say thank you for letting me do this job because it was unbelievable. I had the victors playing in the background. The Michigan band is playing the victors as I'm talking. The confetti's raining. It's the Rose Bowl. It came down to the last play. If you'd have told me as a kid, this could be my life. I never would have believed it. And so I'm I'm forever grateful to to all those companies you just mentioned that have let me do this and, and to people like you who give me a platform because I I am so lucky. Like I cannot believe I got to do what I did yesterday for my job. Right? Like they pay you to do it. I saw the video. <laughs> the video is great. The video is great. I saw it. A lot of other people saw it too. It got a lot of views and a lot of downloads. So good on you. Andy Staples joining us the day after. I know you had a long day. Andy, I appreciate you making time for us today like you always do. Great job by you. And I hope we can do it again soon. I know we'll do it again soon. Andy, thanks so much. Anytime, Jim. Pro. Absolute pro. Andy Staples joining us. And I like what he said at the very end. You should go find the video. He, you can just tell. I mean, that was a guy who was in the moment and had such great gratitude and was looking around like, damn, I can't believe it. I, one, I get to do this, and two, they pay me to do this. And he does it really, really well.